You know, in our home, we're in the midst of some of our own resolved challenges and our own resolved, unresolved story. And I'm not just talking about parenting kids, even though we've got that going on too. Uh, but my wife is actually in the middle of a series of procedures to remove skin cancer from her body, between 50 and 60 spots she's having removed this year. She started in March and she had number 26 taken off this last Monday. And we're, we're good with that and excited about that and looking forward. I don't know if you look forward to more, but we're, we're in the middle of this. And uh, occasionally I get to go with her and uh, try to whenever I can. I turned in some days off this week to go with her on, on Monday and, and be there maybe for uh, some of the recovery. And, and so, but my job in coming is to help keep things lighthearted and happy. And there's a problem. These people don't let me have my coffee after I pass the waiting room. So I'm guzzling with everything that I've got on the way there. Uh, I am hands-free when it comes to my phone, but there will be caffeine in my hand on the way to wherever I'm going. And so I'm working on this. And so I, I bring the iPad and I've downloaded some things off Netflix. And uh, not everything is godly on Netflix, of course. But uh, when you find a show called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee uh, with Jerry Seinfeld, then you realize there may be something God ordained here. I don't know uh, how many of you remember Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, I think he's as old as Pastor Brian, maybe older. And the, um, the, the joke worked first service. I thought I'd try it again. It was, it was okay. Yeah. All right. He'll be back up here next week and uh, I'll be putting out my resume. But the, um, so uh, we're watching and uh, the great thing about Seinfeld, I'm watching him interview all these other comics and you hear some of their stories. And we heard one particularly this week, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this person or what first comes to your mind when you hear this person, but uh, I love her. I think she's funny. She makes me laugh. And it's Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen is a, is a comedian. She's a talk show host. But really, the most important work she's done in her life is she found Nemo. And um, uh, she's Dory. And then she got lost herself and it's kind of a thing. And Ellen was telling her story of really how she broke through. And in the 1980s, if you were invited onto the Johnny Carson show as a comedian, it was a big deal. It was a big deal, but it was also a risk. Because in the little spot that you got, if at the end of your uh, skit, your gig, at the end of whatever your presentation would be, if Johnny just went right to break, uh, then it might send your career backwards. If he said, good job, then you would probably still have somewhere else that you could work later in that week. However... If he invited you to sit on the couch, it would be an absolute incredible breakthrough launching point for your career. And no woman had ever been invited to sit on his couch. And Ellen went through a circumstance in her life and out of it came a comedic routine and it ended up being a breakthrough moment for her because she was invited to sit down on Carson's couch for 30 seconds, the first female ever to sit, to, to sit down on that couch after a particular routine. And the routine goes like this. I'm not going to do it. Don't worry. Uh, rest easy. Take a deep breath. Uh, but it was interesting. It's funny. Um, but the routine involves a conversation with God. Ellen says, wouldn't it be interesting if you could pick up the phone and call God? And so as the routine begins, she picks up the phone and she has to introduce herself. God doesn't know who she is. And then he puts her on hold. Have you felt like this? 
And then she decided she had a question for God. That's why she made the call. God, um, why are there fleas on the earth? And God answers through Ellen. And then as the conversation goes on and on, you realize that who she is talking to seems to be more of an out-of-touch grandfather and someone that she would never have anything in common with. The interesting thing is where the routine came from. You see, in her early 20s, Ellen lost someone she loved in a car accident. In fact, she didn't realize it, but she had been out at a party one night and she drove back home and she saw a horrific accident where a car had been split in two. And she later that night found out that the person that she loved had been in the vehicle. And so from that comes a routine that will get a few laughs, but as I'm watching it, I am heartbroken to peel back the layers of this and to understand that the thoughts that led to this comedic performance are these. I have prayed, but I'm not sure God knows who I am. I have prayed, but I feel like God has put me on hold. I feel like fleas are more important to God than I am. God and I don't relate to each other all that well. It seems like God is just going to do what he wants. God has let me down and I don't have his attention. If God is all powerful and all knowing, then why should I even bother with him or bother with prayer in the first place? We started this series last week. Pastor Brian kicked us off with Rethink Prayer. And he started us off in such an important way as we understand the foundation of prayer to be understanding who God is, the creator of the universe, the one that holds the planets in space, the one who's gonna put on an incredible meteorite shower tonight if the clouds are clear. Take the kids out about nine o'clock tonight. You won't be sorry. The God who does all of those things is the God who also sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us. And now that son is seated at the right hand of God, giving you and I access to be able to come in confidently to the throne room of God as sons and daughters of God. That's where we begin with prayer. What an incredible thought that the God of the universe wants to sit down and talk with us. But what is the purpose of prayer and why should we even pray? I'm gonna begin to get to this from Luke chapter 11 here in just a moment. And I wanna give you just the most basic answer to why we should pray. But first of all, Jesus tells a story about a friend of yours. This friend of yours, according to Luke chapter 11, has had some friends show up unexpectedly uh, later on in the evening and the friends have traveled a long way and they're hungry. And so now this friend of yours has come to your doorstep and is knocking on your door, in fact, banging on your door and saying, hey, I know you were grilling out earlier. I know you've got a big green egg. The ribs smelled amazing. I need some of those right now and I need it for all of my guests. I know you have leftovers. I saw you carry the trays inside. Would you please share with me because these people have shown up at my doorstep and you, according to Luke chapter 11, this is what you do. You don't even get up out of your chair. You just holler outside and say, no, I like my leftover green egg ribs. I'm gonna be having those tomorrow, go back home. They continue to knock on the door. I need some food. My guests need some food. And you yell out, the kids are asleep. And maybe they're not anymore, but the kids are asleep. 
It is way past bedtime. Go back home. And Jesus says, though, that because of their persistence and because you're not actually that mean a person, that you eventually get up and give them everything they need to take care of themselves and their friends. And then verse nine in Luke 11 picks up this way. Jesus is speaking and he says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, sometimes we skip the most basic reason for prayer. Sometimes the older we get, the smarter we feel like we are, maybe the more we delve into some theological opinions and ideas, we start to wonder, do I really need to pray? Yes, there's a very basic reason why you need to pray. Maybe even some of your life circumstances have had a very serious role in shaping your opinion on prayer, and you're not sure if it does any good or whether or not you should pray. There is a very basic reason why you should pray, and it's actually in four words at the beginning of what Jesus just said. He said, I say to you, Jesus said, pray. That's the most basic reason why you should pray. I know you may want something better than that, but let's think about it for just a moment. The son of the living God, the one who was and is, who is to come, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life has said, pray seated at the right hand of the throne of God today. He says, ask, seek, knock, Come to the Father. Jesus has said, pray. So no matter what your theology is, that kind of trumps everything. No matter what you've experienced in your life, that absolutely trumps everything. And over and over again, the writers who recorded Jesus' life recorded that he would go off on his own to pray. He himself needed to spend time in the presence of his father. He would pray for his disciples. He took time to pray and he commanded us to do the same. The enemy loves to distract us into thinking that Prayer is not something we need to be a part of or just to distract us from having the time to do it at all. But Jesus said, as a child of God, you should pray. If if you've put your faith and trust in him, then your relationship with God began with prayer. And now it continues to be cultivated through a life of prayer. Prayer is very simply this. Prayer is the intentional act of coming into God's presence and talking to God and listening to God. Understand this though, prayer is an unnatural activity. It is, and I know that you have felt this at different times. When you first begin to pray, and maybe this keeps some of you at bay, but when you first begin to pray, you might feel foolish or or uncertain. But if you will just take a few moments and lean into that and share even your most basic raw and unrehearsed, nothing to go over ahead of time, unrehearsed thoughts, you will begin to find yourself moving from something unnatural to something supernatural. Whether or not you have put your faith in Christ or you are new to faith or you are a disciple on a journey to becoming fully devoted as a follower of Jesus, I want all of you to hear this. Some of you need to hear this. You can pray. See, I've been in groups a lot of different times, a lot of different points over the history of our church, Angela and I together. And at some point, typically around week three or four with somebody I didn't know before we got into the group, somebody is going to come up to me, typically a guy, and he's gonna say, listen, I don't know how to pray. I don't pray. 
I'm in this group because I think you probably know how to pray, so here's the list. I don't always get a list, but I need you to pray for this. I don't know how to pray. Prayer is very simply taking intentional time to share your raw, unrehearsed thoughts with God and then to listen to him. And every single one of you can pray. And Jesus himself has commanded you to. But don't be turned off by the command because the command comes with a promise. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. These words seem to have a growing intensity and that makes sense. I mean, an ask is fairly casual. When you're seeking for something, there's a greater intensity and then there's the banging on the door. Sometimes you do one of those things. Sometimes you do all three of those things. But wherever you are with God in this moment, there is a promise. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Psalm chapter 65 verse two says, oh, you... Oh, oh, you who hear prayer to you, all men will come. You could literally translate this verse. Oh, hearer of our prayers. What an incredible name for God. Do you know this name of God? Oh, hearer of our prayers to you, all men will come. According to Jesus, according to what he teaches us in Luke chapter 11, he, God doesn't just stay on the other side of the door. God is telling you to ask to seek and to knock because God is at the door. Here is something for you to rethink when it comes to prayer. The greatest thrill you will find if you will just begin to pray, to pray is not answer upon answer, although those will come. The greatest thrill you will find is in getting to know God. Can he hear you? Yes. Does the God of the universe want to spend time with you? Yes. Psalm 46, one, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in times of trouble. Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to who? To all who call upon him, to all who call on him in truth. Isaiah 58, verse nine says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. The promise of God is the presence of God. And the purpose of prayer is the presence of God. If you are lost or lonely or confused, he is a hiding place, a good father, a refuge, an ever-present help in a time of trouble. If you feel unworthy, if you know you have sinned against him or lived a life apart from him, he is faithful and just to forgive you. In fact, his son has shed his blood so that you can be invited to come in. I know you want answers and direction and wisdom and breakthrough and all of those things will come. The scriptures promise those things. But if we could rethink prayer for just a moment, the answers to our requests are not the goal. The goal of prayer is God himself. The ongoing goal of all the asking, all the seeking, all the knocking, uh, with, on the door with God is a growing relationship with your heavenly father. You can pray. God is at the door. What's more, he wants you to pray. He wants to be found by you. Isaiah 55 verse six says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. You will seek me and find me. Jeremiah 29 says, when you search for me with all your heart, if you seek answers alone 
It's quite probable you are going to come up short, but if you seek God himself, you will find the desire of your heart met every time. In moments of confession, you will find mercy and grace. In moments of uncertainty, you will find peace. In moments of weakness, you will find strength. Martin Luther said it this way, God does nothing except in response to prayer. But I wanna give you another thought that some other theologians have shared. I love this. God never does nothing in response to prayer. Hear this now. Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened, a command with a promise. God never does nothing in response to prayer. You may not see it, The circumstances of your life, what you see with your eyes may not have taught you that, but you can rest assured God is at the door and he has promised to open and he will meet you where you are every single time. And he is working all things together for good. For those who love him, called according to his purpose. C.S. Lewis said, we will spend eternity thanking God for the prayers he did not answer. At least in a way we could understand them. God never does nothing in response to prayer. Jesus would go on to talk about prayer in Luke chapter 11. He would give a parenting illustration and he would say this. If your son or daughter asked you for bread, you wouldn't give them a stone. Although you may be tempted before they go to school just to slide that in the lunchbox and just to see, you know, how that works out for them later on the day. I don't know if you're tempted to do that if you're as messed up as I am, but maybe you are. Jesus says, if they ask for fish, which they're probably not gonna ask for. So let's, if they ask for chicken nuggets, you wouldn't give them a snake. That would just be wrong. That would be mean. And we're gonna call the authorities. If they ask for an egg, which your kids wouldn't, but that's okay. Just go with what Jesus said for those days. If they ask for an egg, you wouldn't give them a scorpion. You wouldn't give them a scorpion. Let's just leave it at that, all right? And then Jesus says in verse 13, it says, if you then who are evil, don't take it personal, born of flesh, born with a sin nature, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus wants you to know the same father he does. He is a God who can be trusted to do what's right for you. Every single one of you. Does he hear you? Yes. Does he care about you? Yes. More than you can comprehend, his love is higher, deeper, farther, wider than you can ever begin to understand then why didn't he? Or why did he allow this to happen? Why the suffering? Why the loss? Why the hardship? Can I give you a very non-pastoral answer? I don't know. Maybe you should ask him. I have no idea but maybe you should ask him. And if you will knock on that door, God will answer every time. He is offering you the greatest 
gift of certainty that he can possibly offer you. The gift of his presence. Now, Jesus talks about the presence of God that he gives that would come through him in another way in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, he's going over lots of different things and he has just finished talking about how to approach someone who has wronged you, how to forgive people. And he refers back to some passages in Deuteronomy that involve having other people around as you approach someone who has, who has hurt you or who's sinned against you. And it's kind of like, while well, he's got this thought running. Hey, speaking of having two or other three people around, uh, let's talk about something else for just a moment. So verse 19, again, I say to you, he's changing subjects here. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the middle of them. Now understand the purpose of prayer is the presence of God. It's an opportunity, it's an invitation to be in the very throne room of God to have the certainty of the presence of God in your life. A child of God is promised that. Ask, seek, and knock, the door will be open. But in addition to that, there is something special that happens, Jesus is saying, when God's people get together in Jesus' name. You can have and should have moments of intentionality, worshiping God, going to God privately, where you give him all the honor to his name, where you lay out your request before him, where you spend time with him. But there is something special Jesus is talking about. He doesn't quantify it. He does, all he says is that there is something additional. When two or more get together, he is in the midst. He is in the midst. It's important that we gather here like this on Sunday to proclaim Jesus as our living hope. But Jesus didn't say, the bigger the gathering, the better. He didn't say where there's dozens gathered, that's great. Where there's hundreds gathered, that's even better. Where there's thousands gathered, that's even better. No, he just says where there are two or more gathered, I am in the midst in a way that he is not in the midst when there's just you by yourself. In the rhythm of your Christian life, there should be moments in your week where you are gathered together in groups of two or three so that you can experience him in the midst. If you're married, there should be moments in your marriage where the two of you are practicing the presence of God. If you are a parent, there should be moments in your life where you invite Jesus into the midst with your kids, into the rhythm of your family. Are you in a dating relationship right now? Wanna know whether or not that dating relationship is going to last or thrive the way that Jesus wants it to? Let me ask you a question. Can you pray with that person? Can you pray with him or her? Have you prayed with them? In the rhythm of your Christian life, there should be moments in your week where you're gathered together in groups of two or three so that you can experience what Jesus said is him in the midst without somehow quantifying it. He invites us to experience a different measure of his presence when we are with others. Most of you know about the book into Thin Air or the movie Everest that came out several years ago that gives the story about a group of professional mountain climbers that attempted to climb Mount Everest together in 1996. They encountered blizzards. The book says at one point there was 62 mile an hour winds. What you need to know about this group is that these were the most talented climbers on the planet at that time. Brilliant 
professional people. But these brilliant, headstrong professionals fell apart in the middle of adversity. Difficult circumstances led to frustration and many of them tried to go it on their own and what was to have been the most, one of the most talented, brilliant expeditions in the history of Everest climbs ends up being one of the most tragic. Almost no one saw the summit and eight people lost their lives. When brilliant, talented people tried to do things their own way and on their own. Now, what most people don't know is that five years later, another group ascended Everest. There was actually 17 people as part of this team and they had one goal. They were all there to help a man named Eric be the first blind man to reach the summit. And so these 17 people, they would huddle together every night They would talk about what went right, what went wrong during the day. They would talk about the day ahead, maybe begin to make the plans for the day after that and the day after that. And on May 25th, 2001, every single one of the 17, including Eric, who was blind, reached the summit of Mount Everest together and every single one of them made it back safely. Why? because they cared about one another and had a goal of giving someone an opportunity they never could have alone. They wanted to carry Eric to the presence of the summit. So here is the question. When I hear those two stories, when you hear those two stories, here's the question. Which story would you like to be a part of? I am sure you are a brilliant, talented person. It's okay. I'm positive of it. Feel good about that. But brilliant, talented people are not meant to do life alone. We experience a different measure of his presence by seeking him with others. And we get the opportunity to be a part of greater things. We get the opportunity to be carried into his presence by others. And sometimes we get the opportunity to do that for others. There are multiple statements in the New Testament that end with the words, one another, love one another, serve one another, care for one another, strengthen one another, accept one another, help one another, forgive one another. Hello, unless, unless you have a multiple personality disorder, you are not meant to do life alone. And if you do, you're all welcome here. Just so you know, whoever we're... That's a joke. It's a bad joke. I just wanted to make sure you're listening. But if you try to do this on your own, the probability goes up that you will die, that your spiritual life will wilt and fade. And this isn't just about survival. We are truly better together. But one of those one another's The apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter six says is absolutely essential. Verse 18, he says this, in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long, pray for your brothers and sisters, keep your eyes open, keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. What does he say? Prayer is essential. Praying for one another is essential. Carrying one another into the presence of God is essential. If you ask and seek and knock on your own, will he hear you? Will God be at the door? Yes, 
He has promised to answer. He will be found by you. But the enemy would love to isolate you on this journey, to isolate you from your father and to isolate you from others. We experience a different measure of his presence by seeking him with others. We get the opportunity to be carried into his presence by others. And sometimes we get the opportunity to carry someone else to the very summit of the presence of God. It's absolutely essential. So that's why we are asking for, we are praying for, we are seeking and knocking for 100% participation in groups. It is so crucial that you not try to do life alone. This group launch weekend that we put together for couples, for singles, for men's only, for ladies only. There are other groups that you can find out how to be a part of that involve care and recovery for those of you that are going through difficult moments in your life and you need someone to grab you by the hand and to pull you up out of there. Listen, it is absolutely essential that we be a part of this type of group life. There is so much more than just Sunday, than just an hour or so of the week, but rather we should have in the rhythm of our Christian life, the opportunity to meet in groups of two or three or more so that Jesus can be in the midst in the way that he is not when we are on our own. Jesus made us a promise. He actually said, I'm going to make sure that you are not alone because you're not meant to do life alone. From the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are inhabited by the spirit of God. He is the one that reminds you that you're a child of God, that points you to the father, that gives you power in your life. Jesus said he would not leave you alone, but he would give us a spirit as a comforter, as an advocate, as one who would empower us to live our lives as fully devoted followers of Jesus. So I wanna give you a thought to rethink as it comes to prayer. Listen to this. Prayer is never supposed to be done alone. Now, hang on. Just go with the statement for just a moment. Prayer is never supposed to be done alone. You say you just contradicted half of your message. Just, just hang on for a second. Let me tell you exactly where the scripture talks about this. Ephesians chapter six, verse 18. What does it say? It says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for God's people. Now, don't let this weird you out. This terminology has been hijacked, but I want you to rethink this. Prayer in the spirit is not a charismatic gift. It's an invitation for you to be in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all at the same time. Every time you go to pray, you should acknowledge that you are in the presence of God and you are not alone. God's Spirit is with you. Praying in the Spirit means that the Spirit empowers the prayer and carries it to the Father in the name of Jesus. 
It's the difference in you carrying your needs forward or allowing the spirit of God to carry your needs forward. It's the difference in you trying to come up with your own ideas for breakthrough or God coming up with his ideas for breakthrough. It's the difference in you experiencing the possible in your life or experiencing what is impossible by the power of God. Every time you go to pray, you should begin with Holy Spirit of the living God. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit of the living, you all bowed your head. That's not what I meant for you to do in that moment. (laughs) Holy Spirit of the living God. (laughs) Curtains are coming down. I don't mind having fun with that for a second, but can I emphasize this though? You're not supposed to pray alone. It's the difference in your best and God's best. Now I'll tell you when to do it, but it's not yet. Whenever you go to pray, whenever you go to pray, your prayer should begin with an acknowledgement, the spirit of God and say, Holy Spirit, carry me and carry these prayers to the very throne room of God. You have been inhabited by this spirit. Prayer was not designed for you to come up with the answer and then tell God what the answer is. Rather, prayer is designed for you to be in the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are never supposed to pray alone. Romans chapter eight, the apostle Paul says it this way. He says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. Now from the language here, the apostle Paul is saying that the spirit of God will take you by the hand. He will carry you. He will carry you fully. If that's what you need, even when you don't know what to say or how to say it, listen to this for, we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people according to the will of God. When you don't know what to pray, the spirit of God will groan out, will give you words that you don't even know. Perhaps you even don't have words. Perhaps you say in that moment, God, I don't know what to pray right now. That word for groaning is a word for, it's just a sigh. It's the very breath of God upon you in that moment. And it's in the presence of almighty God that you will realize what you have always had. You have his attention. You have his attention. And if we could rethink prayer with just one final thought today, it would be this. Prayer is not about you getting God's attention. It's about him getting yours. He has promised to never leave you or forsake you. He has taught us that if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you will find. If you will knock, the door will be opened. You have his attention. He wants yours. It's about him getting your attention so that you can experience the peace of God if that's what you need today that passes all understanding. It's about him 
getting your attention so that strongholds can be broken down if that's what you need today. It's about him getting your attention so that in your weakness, you will be strong. It's about him getting your attention so that you will never doubt the promise that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he knows your name, that you are way more important than fleas, that he knows the hairs on your head. Every time you seek, you will find. Every time you knock, he will answer. God himself is at the door. The purpose of prayer is the presence of God. And you have this certainty of his presence every single time. So now, would you bow your head and can we pray? Our team's gonna come in just a moment and they're gonna lead us in a song that I want to just be just a a moment of prayer. The amazing thing about our God is we can all lift our prayers at the same time and he hears. So in this moment, child of God, son or daughter, with an open invitation because of the shed blood of the one who is seated at the right hand of God, would you come with boldness? Would you first invite the spirit of God to pray with you, to pray for you about whatever it is You say, this feels weird. And for some of you, I know. It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. I didn't give you a card with a prayer on it. There's nothing for you to rehearse. These are just your thoughts, your words to him. And then you take a moment and you just sit in his presence. If you're here today and you've never prayed to put your faith and trust in Christ, then you don't yet have the same access, but the invitation is there. God sent his son Jesus to shed his blood for your sins. And if you right now want to reach out and put your faith and trust in Christ, then would you just pray in your own words, something like this, God, I come before you right now, believing that Jesus Your son, your one and only son came and died for me that he shed his blood to cover my sins, giving me full access to you, God. I'm gonna trust you with my life. I wanna walk with you. I wanna learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. If you're here today and you've prayed that, we'll give you some instruction in just a moment. We want to come alongside you. For every single person in this room with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you to 100% participation. While the band plays a song that you may know, you may not, I want to ask that you just remain seated and let this be a time where we just pray. You're next to your spouse and you want to pray together. If you've got kids with you in the room and you want to pray with them, that's fine. However you want this to go, if you just want to sit there quietly, it's okay. But let's allow the spirit of God to move in this moment. 
and let's just pray.